0: Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Game over, series over, and the Red Sox are world champs again. And So are these fans. organization has been well run for a long time now. From the top on down here comes a 1-2 pitch. The Sox win the World Series! 5-1 the final tonight! And the best team in baseball wins it all in 2018! The Boston Red Sox beat the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1 They win the World Series 4 games to 1 And the Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century With 4 World Championships, can you believe it?
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of The Pesky Podcast, episode 33 I am the Rit, with me is our head writer Mr. George Sutherland, George, how's it going, man?
0: Terrific! Another, another good, another good game from the boys last night. You know, they starting to pick up some steam.
1: Yeah, uh, I sit there and I love this man. Uh, well, the Mets series is coming up. I can't wait for this. Uh, the Met Stadium actually is one of the only stadiums in the Northeast that I have not been to yet. Oh, really? So, yeah, it. I, I've been to Yankee Stadium. I've been to the Philly Stadium, Baltimore, Nationals, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, uh, of course, Fenway Park. So I know I know the, the Mets stadium is, is on my bucket list. I know they play them there next year. So that will probably be my to-do list next year. But uh, we've got a writer, uh, a guy that's been a diehard fan of the Mets to here help us out to cover the series coming up. So let's bring him on, Mr. Not Gaetti.
2: Hey guys, how are you?
1: Hey not yeah, doing yeah, too yeah. bad. uh so uh tell us a little bit about how uh how you became a Mets fan overall with everything.
2: Yeah so uh, I, I come from a long line of New Yorkers And, uh, in my family, we pull for the Yankees and the Mets both. So I feel a little bit like coming into enemy territory, going on a Red Sox podcast again, but, um, no, it's, I mean, it's great. They both teams, they have such different personalities, right? The Yankees have this sort of like evil empire vibe, right? A lot of people disparagingly will, will call them that, but you know, for a long time, they were not afraid to spend. They were not afraid to make the big deals. They expected to win every single year. And for a while, they did. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, the the record of, you know, 27 championships and all of that, it, there's a certain vibe. The Mets have just such a different personality and a different character. And all of the great Met teams through the years, from, you know, the first championship team in 69, coming back from just, like, such a, a bad season to stun everybody in the, in the playoffs mm-hmm. and um, you know, like beat the powerhouse AL champion team um, that the 86 team is one of the most exciting and fun and just legendary sort of teams. I mean, dysfunctional in some ways, just chock full of guys that were unique and brought a lot to the table. And then, you know, it's like I grew up watching those late nineties teams with, just the incredible like middle of the order. You got Piazza and Oluru hitting back to back. You have Edgar Alfonso, and uh, a lot of these role player type guys who maybe weren't superstars filling in the gaps and just like just fun teams to watch. And so, you know, th- the hope is that one of the New York teams is playing well. And right now we don't get to enjoy uh, either of those, the way things are going.
1: But, uh, well, I, I know on George in Georgia, my aspect, uh, 86 never happened. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, to, uh, go ahead
2: to, to that point. I just want to say that, um, if you have followed me on Twitter for a while, I do a lot of Bill Buckner posts where I talk about how unfairly he is remembered for one play and, um, you know a lot of people just that's the only thing they can think of but the guy won a batting title he hit almost 500 doubles he had a ton of hits he yep. never struck out i mean they're talk about just insane bat to ball skills for a long time he struck out in the low 400s in 22 years in the big leagues total 400 mm-hmm. times total he had he struck out like 13 times the year he won the batting title and when you compare that to there are guys 120 strikeouts in the first half this year. Um, I just don't think enough people give Bill Buckner the credit that he deserved as a, as a hitter, as a baseball player, what he was able to you know sh- show up and do his job, even as, as his body was like betraying him and falling apart. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm very pro Bill Buckner and very uh, conscious of the fact that so many folks remember the moment that you guys don't want to remember. So I, I'm, I'm there advocating for him even as a Met fan.
0: No, he was, he was such a dangerous hitter to come to the plate, you know, in any situation. And, you know, he can't, he came, when he got to the bat, he meant business, you know, and he, he, he drive the ball any place. And as you said, his legs were given out from under him, but he didn't let that stop him. He was, he was really, really a, a special hitter. And uh, you're right; it's too bad he's remembered for that one play. And you know, when I, when the Red Sox won the World Series uh, in 2004, when they gave out the rings, he got a standing ovation when they when they did that. And I think every, you know, it's you know, winning cures everything. All was forgiven, I and mean, that, that was good for him because he was such a good guy to boot. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely uh, from like I, I was only four years old like maybe three or four years old in 86 uh but doing my doing my history and stuff like that uh a lot of people sit there and say Buckner shouldn't even been out there you know Correct. uh uh I can't remember the, the backup Stapleton. First name.
0: Dave Stapleton. His, def-
1: his defense should have been out there but they were all ready for you know the big win uh they wanted him out there and I'm like, man, would they have done it to, if it was David Ortiz? You know, would they have put David Ortiz at first base just to get him out there, uh, you know, for a championship celebration? No. No. So, you know, you, you, you can't sit there and, and judge the guy. I, I always joke uh, with round, with Mets fans, I'm like, 86 never happened. Uh, technically, I'm only 39 years old. And st- oh, no, I'm 40 years old instead of 41, you know. But uh, – I sit there and I love uh, Guyetti. How you sit there and you know you're pro him because you look at the what he did in his career, not what he didn't do in that one moment.
2: Absolutely, I think he had over 2,700 hits. I mean, guy had a career. Mm-hmm. And the the thing is, if you put Stapleton out there, even if he boots the ball and the Red Sox still lose maybe Bill Buckner's in, in the Hall of Fame or something. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. whole perception of his body of work would be so different if he wasn't the guy that let that ball go through his legs.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I know growing up, I was a huge fan of the Mets infield. You know, like like you said, Piazza, Old Rood, uh, Ventura, you know, playing third where you guys, I don't know, is that record still stands? The least amount of errors given what? up by an infield in a season, ninety nine. Yep, that, and that's that's just amazing, you know. Ray Borgonia is at shortstop. Yeah, he was, right. oh, he
2: was a magician.
1: That guy. Who was he, who was second for the Mets? Fonzie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like that, I I love that. I love those that Mets infield because I always. You know, even with my kids, uh, I talk about teamwork and that cohesive unit of an infield. They they work together, you know, and defense wins games. You see, in football, you know, defense won for that, won a lot of games for them, you know, with, with the least amount of errors in MLB history.
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I mean Olerud at first base made everybody else look better. I think one of the things that is underappreciated about a good first baseman is the confidence that they give the other infielders to get rid of the ball quickly, to just let it rip. Because you know, if you get it close, he's going to pick it. He's going to make those good stretch. He's going to, he's got the footwork. He's got the hands. Um, There's no worse feeling for an infielder than being like, uh, you know, you stop the ball and you're like, if I don't throw a strike to this guy, like I'm going to get an error. And so I just, I think Olerud is a very, you know, I use the word underrated in my tweets all the time, right? I, every day I post like mm-hmm. an underrated player of the day. And um, man, Olerud is that in spades. He could hit, he could glove it. He actually played for the Red Sox very briefly. Yep. Yeah. And that was his final season in the big leagues. And fun fact, that was also his first career game in the minor leagues was that season on a rehab assignment. He had skipped the minors coming from college and did not play a single game in the minor leagues until his final year in professional baseball.
1: Yeah. And uh, I remember Olrude. and and this is what I love about a first baseman. If they know that the ball uh, and Olrude was, was great at this wasn't going to make to him. He got his foot off the bag to make sure that that ball didn't get by him. And we've seen that on the Red Sox this year with Casas, where yeah. he he won't move like he wants to try to stretch and sometimes, okay the guy might get to get to on the first base, but at least he's not on second, you know you gotta know the presence and Casas is still young, uh you know he has Turner over there uh, helping him out, you know learning everything, but I, I remember Yuke doing it a lot, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta have the mind presence of get off the bag, get to the ball, worry about, make sure the runner doesn't get to the second. And Olrood was amazing at that.
0: Yeah,
2: There's a lot that goes into it that, you know, I I really appreciate all those little things because in high school, I moved from third to first and I had never played first base in like little league or anything. And so, um, you know, I had to like, figure all this stuff out and like you learn what to do and what not to do and being in the right place all the time and keeping the ball in front of you. And like, you know, a lot of guys, the tendency is if they're trying to get to a ball, they'll stretch early. And once your weight shifts and your weight Mm -hmm. is over your plant foot, you're toast if the ball tails or it's like not exactly where your mind expected it to be. And so Mm -hmm. having that sort of presence of mind to adjust to the situation and not react too early, and you know get off the bag if you're going to need to get off the bag it's it just makes a huge difference not just to that player but to the entire infield
1: yeah so well let's uh let's dive right into the starting rotation the, the lineups we have going in for the Friday Saturday Sunday series uh friday you guys got senga going we got Paxton going uh tell everybody about uh senga who hasn't been able to watch him and about that amazing uh, phantom pitch that he loves to throw.
2: So um, if anybody's not aware of Senga, right, he's 30 years old. He's a rookie not because he's new to pro ball, but because he came from Japan and he's just been electric and he leads the, the staff in almost every pitching category. I think he's been, he's worked out, you know, really well, which has been huge because Scherzer and Verlander are the two highest paid pitchers in sports, right? They're making like over $43 million a year, each of them. And they have the pedigree. They've got the closet full of Cy Youngs. They've got all the accolades, the 300 strikeout seasons, the marquee guys, the name brands and it's no secret that they're starting to look their age right and Mm -hmm. so to bring in Senga and have him you know like a lot of these guys when they you never know when somebody switches leagues people like ichiro worked out obviously right but not everybody becomes like an mvp caliber guy and so there's always this inherent unknown. Some guys who mash in Japan come over and can't hit Major League pitching. And so I think like the big takeaway is that Senga is a guy who came to Major League Baseball, is not just competing, but is thriving and is really helping take the pressure off um, sort of the, uh, the underperformance of the guys that were supposed to carry. the the bulk of the weight i mean i can't even tell you how shocked i am that here we are it's july 18th this is the team that the mets have this is the payroll that the mets have and they're like 43 and 50 if you told me this was going to be a sub 500 team like obviously i never would have believed you and um you know but i'm trying to see what is uh S- Senga seven and five, right? So seven and
1: five, 3.20 ERA.
2: Yeah, so he is more than pulling his weight. And I just think, like, we just need the rest of the roster who is underperforming to even come back to, like, baseline. And then you're going to find yourself with just so much depth, both offensively and pitching. Like, the talent is there. the The pieces are assembled. And it's not like one or two guys are underperforming. It's like pretty much everybody is underperforming, not just the expectations, but even their, their career norms. They're all unusually not having their, their normal year. And I just think Sega is like huge breath of fresh air amidst this massive underperformance. That's pretty much roster wide.
1: Yeah. Uh, Japanese players are something that you have to take a chance on, pretty much. Uh, pitching wise, I was always ever since uh, we signed Dice uh I was always worried because I'm like, are we gonna get in our Dice or is this one actually gonna pan out? You know, so that was always my worry. Uh, Senga definitely is worth his his weight in gold, uh, just like for us when we have Massa you know everyone's like oh we overpaid man i feel bad for the guy i, I think we underpaid for him you know what i mean uh, it's it's still his just like uh senga it's his rookie season he you know massa just turned 30 also mm-hmm. but man he, they they sh- they're showing their maturity for their teams and leading their teams by example so, so
2: both of those guys they are pros pros you know like they know how to carry themselves. They know how to play the game. Um, you know they're not like distractions. They're there to work and get it done. And I mean, they're they're both having pretty good years, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So George Senga's going against Paxton, who just came off his worst outings you know, of the season. And of course, people on Twitter were going to throw him to the wolves after one bad outing. Right, uh, but he's five and two, a three point five one ERA. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about him, George.
0: Paxton, you know, the the bad outing against the Cubs aside, Paxton has been amazing for the Red Sox. He, you know, he didn't break camp with them. He was still, re, you know, still rehabbing. He hadn't thrown a pitch in what two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the best part is we're paying him four million dollars. Okay. He comes along, and his first outing, he looks like he hadn't never even skipped a beat. You know, he, he's up throwing ninety-seven. Uh, he looks like he did in Seattle. Uh, he has been he has been a, a very good constant for this staff. You know, it, it's, it's a it's a pity you're not going to get to see Brian Baio this time around uh, because he is something special. Uh, if you have a, I don't know if you had a chance to see him. He'll remind you of Pedro Martinez in a lot of different ways, and he is, he is maturing in front of our eyes and he's becoming the ace of the staff. That said, because Paxton was not a lot was expected of him out of the thing, most people didn't think he was even going to come up. It was like, yeah, maybe so what? You know maybe he'll throw six innings every once in a while. but he's been, he's been a rock. Now he's come up and, he, and he's actually helped Paxton. Or, um, I'm sorry, help Bale. And when we lost sale, you know having having james Paxton on the roster was probably the best thing that could have happened um you know he's he's you know he's he's firing the ball at will not afraid to make contact we'll strike you out okay um and and just you know he's he's got that drive in him again you know he's he's just he goes to the mound get ready to get to take it over after the game in Chicago, he owned it you know he said look i stunk you know, this is, you're gonna have a bad think This is it for me. Yeah, I, I was bad. Okay, didn't shy away from it. That's what you want. That sends a clear message to the other pitchers on the staff. Look, on on your performance, just get out there and do your job. And to a, and, and if you look at a young guy like Bayo, there's you know there's a way to how to carry yourself as well. But yeah, he's been he's been an extremely bright spot for us when we needed it most.
1: Yeah, um, game two. You guys got Scherzer going and we've got, well, hopefully we've got a, the same Cutter Crawford going. Uh, what's up with Scherzer this year? He doesn't seem to be the, the, the same flamethrower that a years past.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of that is, uh, he's 38 and, uh, Like I said, he and Verlander are just some of the most accomplished pitchers that I think the game has ever seen. I think they're both certainly going to wind up in Cooperstown. But at some point, you know, like father time is undefeated, right? The -hmm. thing about Mad Max is that he is such a competitor. He's such a professional. And even as your stuff deteriorates, like the ferocity doesn't. And, I mean, he's not the flamethrower of years past, but he's 8-3. and I think he's got, like, the second most innings pitched on the team. He's got the second most strikeouts on the team. And, you know, like, he's not giving you MVP, like, Cy Young level kind of Scherzer. But, I mean, he's arguably the best pitcher on the team. He and Senga are probably the top two. Verlander missed a few starts, right? So he doesn't have the same kind of volume, but he's right in there with them sort of like rate-wise. Those three guys have to put this, you know, these starts on their shoulders and squarely keep the Mets in it and give them an opportunity to win. That's all you can do. Like they they know what their job is that they need to do. I don't think anybody's expecting Scherzer to like strike out 300 guys, right? Those days are in the past. It's about giving your bats an opportunity to stay in it and to win it. And I think he he's always going to have the temperament and the personality and he wants the ball. And he, like George was saying, I mean, Max is a guy that owns his performance. I don't think he makes excuses. He's like a, he's a tough competitor. And um, it just, unfortunately, you can't bank on the stuff being there the way you used to every single day. You knew he was going to have it. Now, when he has it, he looks—he can look vintage. It's just that's not every start anymore.
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of curious. What do you think was the the Mets' ownership? You know, you guys lost Cindergard. Uh, yeah, you, you guys left the Grom go. The, why not go younger? And why? Why do you do you think they went and? paid all that money for the two veteran pitchers that are a little older, a little bit possible injury prone.
2: Well, I will say that sort of dodged a bullet with the other guys, right? Syndergaard and DeGrom are both also injury prone. Um, DeGrom got paid and he's 30 innings in to his contract. And now he's going to have Tommy John. He may not pitch, pitched until he's 37 years old, you know? I hear, uh, I hear people talk about how DeGrom maybe is a Hall of Famer, but he's got 84 wins in his career as exclusively as a starting pitcher, right? 100% of his appearances have been in starts. He's got 84 wins, and uh, he's been in the league for a decade. So, you know, he obviously was not going to give the Mets the volume of work or the innings, but was going mm-hmm. to command a, a mega salary in excess of, 40 million a year or whatever you know they're paying these other guys anyway and so i think that was a calculated risk that the team took letting him walk saying we're just not going to absorb the risk that he has elbow problems and 30 innings into his rangers contract he's done probably for the next you know season and a half now obviously with like the new ownership they wanted to convey that they're not afraid to spend They're not afraid to bring in big names. They're not afraid to bring in marquee guys. I think, you know, Houston-era Verlander, even post-Tommy John Verlander, as a 39-year-old, he was back. He was all the way back. And, you know, to rehab from Tommy John at 39 and come back and have a Cy Young season, it says a lot about sort of like his discipline his preparation his approach and you know some of that is like wouldn't you love to have that in your clubhouse wouldn't you love to have a, a pitching staff that can look up to Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer who have how many Cy Youngs between the two of them like could you imagine the wisdom that's there to glean about the art of pitching And then the hope that they can still do it at a high level is almost like a bonus. Like, yeah, you want them to go out there and win games, but you also want them to lead by example, and you also want all of the intangibles and everything else that goes on behind the scenes in the clubhouse with the pitching staff, with these guys who have stuff and need to know how to harness it guys who are young and need to know how to pace themselves, take care of themselves, prepare to pitch, approach different hitters. I think there's so much more value to those two guys than the number of innings they give you or the number of hitters they strike out. And, uh, you know, with, like, the financial resources that Steve Cohen has, it just – it was such an exciting way to see these pieces come together two of the great pitchers of their generation on the same staff. I mean, I think everybody just had visions of those guys at the front of the rotation, winning 20 games apiece and the Mets being way above 500 at this point in the season, not 43 and 50. It's like, uh, it's unbelievable. It's, it's like worse than depressing because it shouldn't be this way. The talent is just off the
0: charts.
1: Yeah. Uh, Definitely, George Cutter Crawford coming off an amazing performance, six shutout innings.
0: Yeah, um, for us, Crawford has been a little up and down. Um, he pitched what I, brilliantly on Sunday, as as Rich said, six shutout innings. He was the number five guy when the season opened. Um, had a little trouble getting out of the third or the fourth inning. Uh, went back in the bullpen. Uh, was long with uh, Winkowski for us. That was a nice problem to have because they were both they were both just uh, team killers for you know the opposing team in long relief. There, there was a good two headed monster there. Um, since he's come back in the rotation, and for right now we only have three starting pitchers. Okay, um, he has do- he has each start. He's he's gained a little bit more confidence six innings, as long as he's gone out this year. And, and he was, and, and he pitched out of trouble before we get into trouble. Yeah. He might get in, you know, he might not get out. He pitched out of trouble in the early innings and he just, just fed off of that. And, um, you know, he may have found himself and right now the team needs that because, you know, the, we are shy on starting pitching, but um, you know, he's, He's, you know, he's not, he's not afraid. He's got a, a four that rides up in the zone and can, you know, cause people to chase. um You know, could, you know he's not going to, he's not going to blow you away, but you know, he's got enough stuff that moves that, you know, he, he can do it. And I think he's, if he's learned to get past the fourth inning now, he's, he's going to, you know, that'll be, that'll be good news because then your bullpen doesn't get you know chewed up. But uh, yeah, he's, he's been, he's been a little bit of an up and down, but right now he's trending up and, um, uh, this, week, this weekend, it was a very nice thing to see.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was really, really happy with uh, what Cutter Cropper was able to do uh, this past Sunday. Uh, I want to go to the Game 3 now. Because Game 3, you guys got uh, Carrasco?
0: Carrasco, yeah.
1: And then we've got, potentially, uh, which I, I hope it continues to go the way it does. Bernardino is going to open up for us, hopefully. And then we get an awesome uh, Nick Pavetta coming in to, to take over after him. Uh, tell us a little bit about Carrasco, because he's kind of a, another guy that's been there for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, he's
2: another veteran presence. He's thirty six. Uh, he was kind of at the height of his powers with Cleveland. He led the majors in wins in 2017. He had 18 wins. Um, you know, he had some, like, health problems earlier in his career that he's come back from and been an effective pitcher. Um, you know, this year his, his ERA is over five. He's, uh, you know, missed some starts. He's really not, a uh, like, a strikeout guy. He's never He's never been a huge strikeout guy, but, I mean, he had – multiple seasons of 200-plus strikeouts um, and a handful with, you know, more than a a K per inning. Now he's got 43 Ks in 61 innings, so much more of like a pitching-to-contact kind of approach. And, you know, it's like the other guys. He's older, but I don't think he has sort of the, the, the power that he can summon the way, like, at times, Verlander still, you know can blow it by you. So I think it's, you're looking at probably like five innings and just hoping that you put up some runs. But again, he's a guy who's worth more than the stats on paper because he's been there. He's overcome a lot of adversity and just having these guys around to mentor younger pitchers, I think is invaluable. And the the hope is that if they can't be lights out in the short term, they can really position a young staff to be successful in the long term and so yes they're very expensive these veteran pitchers but the you know the the, the hope is that over the next few years it really turns into their influence manifests in other ways
1: yeah uh that is one thing that that i see on our you know squad we have chris sale paxton and, you know, of course, we always have Pedro Martinez. Uh, they're willing to mentor certain people. Uh, they're they're helping out Cutter Crawford, you know, Whitlock, Halk, uh, Winkowski, like, Bayo. It's like that. that is, you know, worth a lot when you get people to sit there that are able to sit there and show, not only just tell you, but show you. How to act as a major league pitcher and how to get out of things—that uh, is something that you know all organizations should be able to get. Uh, George, you you want to sit there and take a crack of uh, and tell everybody how amazing Bernardino's been looking.
0: Another guy that Heim Bloom brought in has bounced around a little bit. Um, they've worked with him. He's been effective. I mean, he's done the the opener role what two or three times now. Mm-hmm. Done one. You know, two innings, does what you want it to do, doesn't get just doesn't get down. Last night he throws two shutout innings. Uh, you know, uh, you know, good the openers. The you know, it's the Tampa Bay piloted that and you know made it something a uh, success made a success out of it. Um right now, uh as I said, we really have three starters. So last night, uh they brought Pavetta in, in the third. I mean, you know, he six innings, 13 strikeouts. I mean, you can't ask anything more of that guy. I mean, he was a starter for us earlier in the season griped a little bit about going to the pen, but boy, his the results coming out of the pen have been spectacular. You know, he's dropped his ERA as a starter from six something and now he's down on the what, about four, seven. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty good. And he's, and you know, I I think if you took him aside and you know he didn't have a camera on him, he'd probably say, yeah, oh, okay, you know. But he said, yeah, he's you know, he's, you know, he's he's got pride. He wants to be a starter. But boy, you can ask for much more than that. Um, you know, they've got a bunch of guys that can go long. Uh, you know, Winkowski can give you that. Uh, he's he was the you know the guy the long guy in the beginning. Um, they've got uh, Brandon Walters just come up from Worcester, who can who can give that to you as well. Uh, Chris Murphy. Who will probably um, be the first guy out of the, uh, the pen uh, tonight? You know, in the long, you know coming out after the opener. So, uh, you know, for the Red Sox, they do have the ability to mix and match in, in a bullpen game. The problem is that we've got two, we've got we got two openings in the rotation that we have to cover this for. So the need the need for a starting pitcher is huge for us. Um, you know, how long can we do the balancing act? Who knows? But, you know, if we get any kind of performance, like we can, um, don't, don't just count the bullpen, I guess is my point. And then in the back end, we're, we're in pretty good shape with uh, Martin and Jansen. You know, I'm, I've been very extremely confident in those two. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the, uh, this series uh, with the starting pitch pitcher matchups, because it's kind of like they're balanced out on paper really well. And they kind of like evenly match up against each other. So let's uh, let's switch our thoughts over here. Let's go to the lineup, uh, Gaetti. Uh, let's talk about the Mets lineup a little bit. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you take over from here.
2: Yeah. So the the, the theme has sort of been underachievement, right? Uh, not just with you know maybe what you expected out of a $44 million a year starting pitcher. But this lineup is so phenomenally talented and has so many amazing pieces. Like everybody knows that Pete Alonso is a premier power hitter, mm-hmm. not just because he's won a couple of home run derbies, but you know, last year he tied Aaron judge for the major league lead in RBI. He's an old school cleanup guy. He's not going to hit 300 like Judge, but he's going to put the ball in play. He's going to drive in a lot of runs. He's going to hit a ton of homers. I think he was like the fastest player to 150 home, career homers or something like that. But he's hitting 207 this year. There's a big difference between not hitting 300. He's like a you know career 260, 270 kind of guy. He's hitting 207 this year. He's got a 306 OBP and yes he leads the team in home runs and ribbies by a mile but he's got to be more productive and be a more complete hitter um jeff mcneil is a guy who has won a batting title and like we talked about with bill buckner before jeff mcneil is one of these scrappy guys with bat to ball skills if the ball is there he can hit it but this year he hasn't been doing it he's hitting 248 his OPS is in the 600s. He's never been a power guy, but that's fine when he's hitting line drives from line to line and using the whole field and hitting 326, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't, you can't have that same kind of lack of power and be a 248 hitter. You can't. Francisco Lindor is really one of the most well-rounded offensive players in the lineup, and he's hitting 232 this season. He's going to hit a lot of sh- home runs for a shortstop. He's going to drive in a lot of runs for a shortstop. He's going to ha- you know, wind up with 20-plus stolen bases. He's a switch hitter. He's a veteran. He brings so much to the lineup. But he, again, he's a guy that could be having an MV- MVP-type season because he's an MVP-type talent, offensively, defensively, personality-wise. I don't know anybody that doesn't like Lindor. He's just a lovable guy. And Um, you know Brandon Nimmo he got a big contract in the offseason they paid him a lot of money for Brandon Nimmo and um, you know his big thing is he works great at bats I think he works really really well at the top of the lineup he still has a pretty decent OBP it's at 359 this season but you know he's a guy that could be like a 400 OBP guy and it's just you hate to see so many pieces, for just about every spot in the lineup, t- kind of taking us performing at a step below what you hope to expect. And I, I personally have always taken a little bit of a I've looked sideways at the, giving Daniel Vogelbach a, a roster spot on a major league baseball team, because he is so one-dimensional. He cannot play the field. He has not played the field in years. He cannot run. And, you know, people say, well, like, his OPS is worth it, whatever. His OPS is 679 this year. He he takes a lot of pitches. He famously has, like, one of the s- lowest swing rates in baseball. He's extremely selective. He leaves the bat on his shoulder an awful lot. And what that leads to is some really frustrating called strikeouts and yeah every once in a while he'll get into one and hit it 400 feet but that's the only aspect of his game really is like the homers and the walks he's one of these three true outcome guys who can't even give you an inning on defense and with you know with roster spots just constantly at a premium because you know sometimes you just need to shake things up and give somebody a day off sometimes your bullpens get really taxed every roster spot matters and the fact that you know you have a guy like Vogelbach maybe you know you pinch hit him late in the game he walks best case scenario and then you've got to run for him if it's a close game and uh, you know it's just I've had so many questions about that that's the biggest piece of like the roster construction that I've never gotten a satisfactory answer about but as for all the you know the, the guys that are the big pieces every single one of them could stand to play closer to their abilities and their career norms.
1: Yeah. Surprisingly, uh, Tommy is your leading uh, batting average 275, you know? It's
2: insane. Yeah.
1: That, and, and no one like the roster that's, that was constructed. Canna uh, Lindor, Sterling Marte, you know, I, I used to, Anytime uh, when I played in a fantasy baseball league and I needed average, I always, I always drafted McNeil always, you know, Uh, like it's, it's just, I thought we were underperforming in the beginning of the year, but now it's after all-star break and you guys are still underperforming.
2: And it's the highest payroll in baseball.
1: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. George, you want to sit there and uh, go down our, our lineup?
0: Sure. Um, it's been uh, of late. Uh, there's been a little jockeying uh, and some changes from time to time. For a long time, Verdugo was a leadoff hitter. Um, you know, now uh, we've got Jaron Duran doing leadoff duties when Dookie isn't doing it. Um, the, right now the offense is clicking and hitting. Um you know, if you go around I'll take the info first. You know, the, uh, Jer- uh, Tristan Casas, you know, our number one prospect from last year, comes up. Every, big things were expected of him. He's been very slow coming out of the box. Yeah, he's got 11 bombs, 12 bombs now. And he did three straight games of hitting bombs in Chicago. He's been a little bit more aggressive, but we need to see more of it. Um, you know, he in the beginning of the year, he, you, you go, what, what what was the matter with that pitch, you know? um. You still get a little bit of that, uh, but the, the, the aggression is starting to pick up a little. Uh, Ritton, I touched a little bit on his defense. Um, you know, he doesn't get off the bag. It's like it was like a, the, the bag is made out of steel and his foot's a magnet. He just won't move, okay? And, and, and it drives me crazy, you know, because you know, your first base, your job is to stop the ball. If it's not going to get in your glove, stop it before it ends up in the stands or the dugout or someplace, or, someplace, or a fast runner can be on second or worse, third. Um, the Red Sox counter that is that uh, uh, Justin Turner has been playing a lot of first base. Uh, the man you can't ask much more of this. He's in, you know hitting like 290. He's hitting home runs. He's driving runs in. He's a he's he's that veteran guy that you kind of forget about. Uh, you know, but he just goes up there and hits and does his job. And you put him in the field, he's not going to embarrass you. Um, you know, and he's got he's got that presence about him, and he's helped the younger players. Uh, second base for us has been kind of a, a little bit of a mixed bag due to industry. Christian Royals currently holding it down. Now he's starting to hit again. Decent, decent hitter. Okay it defensively. Uh, you know he'll you know put him in seven eight spot and you know the lineup he'll be fine. Um, Rafael Devis, he got paid. His average is starting to climb up now and he's and he's hitting uh, he's hitting home runs and driving in runs. I uh, got a little bit of a calf thing going on. So is, I didn't see the lineup for tonight, but is he in or out?
1: Yeah, he's in. He's uh, in. Christian, okay. Christian Arroyo uh, started uh, second base for the last game of the A's uh, okay. series. And uh, Chang is at shortstop.
0: Is he? Okay. I hadn't seen – I before we went on, I, I didn't take a look at the roster uh, for tonight's start. Uh, sh- shortstop um, – Revolving door, uh, we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, Kike Hernandez has held it down. Uh, Yu Chang is now the, the shortstop until Trevor Story comes back. Uh, our catching situation, uh, Connor Wong has now caught like 24, or 25 consecutive games. He's a difference maker behind the plate in terms of the running game. Okay. You run on him, you're probably going to get thrown out. Okay. Uh, and he last night he went three for five. And, you know, He can hit. But, you know, he's a darn good defensive catcher, and he's he's now your everyday defensive catcher, a, a starting catcher. But, he's, he, you know, he can hit a little bit, and he's a good defensive player. Outfield, you know, you talked about, for you, Senga. For us, Yoshida has been just nobody expected this, okay? Hitting over 300, 11 home runs, driving in, you know, he's got 50 runs batted in. Um, he's just he he just works the count he you know you had a little trouble adjusting at first found something opened up his swing a little bit and he's just been popping the ball all over the place um and his defense is not as bad as advertised uh right now i'd say i mean he's not technically you know he's not a rookie cuz he's you know just turned 29 30 you know much like senga but you know he's he's rookie of the year based upon you know major league service time uh, he's been he's been enlightening. Uh, if you had to go sign him today, he's certainly worth the fifteen million dollars a year you're paying for him. Uh, and center field, of late, we've got uh, Duran Speed Demon. You, they hit it again last night. Stretch a single into a double. Okay, you don't pick double up the ball Durant. quickly on him. He's he's like the road runner. He will be you will be on second base, and heaven forbid you hit one of the gap and don't do it. He's standing on third. Okay, um, and you know. He's come so far because last year he just had a just a horrible year. Dustin Pedroia worked with him a little bit in the offseason and talked to him and said, look, you need to do this. And his it's like the switch went on. Okay. And when he came back up in June and late May, early June, he's been on fire. And just, you know, he's he's been at times the spark plug this this roster needs. Verdugo. Cor challenged him in the beginning of the year to be better, he has. Um, he's in a little bit of a slump right now, but you know, not but he's he's playing good defense, something he wasn't doing before. Uh he's hustling all the time. I think that's that's core. just jabbing at him and saying you're gonna do this. Um, you know, he's sitting you know, he's hitting well. Um you know they've got uh Adam Duval. He was on fire when he got hurt two weeks into the season and broke his wrist in Detroit. That was too bad because man, he was killing the baseball. He's coming back. He's just starting to light catch fire again, and that's that's good because this is a left-heavy lineup. So to have a good strong right-handed stick in addition to Turner is something this this lineup needs desperately. Um, and then we have the lefty killer in Rob Snyder. The man just kills left-handed pitching, and he'll be sitting. He'll be sitting on the bench. For three days, you know, a bunch of righties going. He'll occasionally get in there. Left handed comes up and he's like, he doesn't miss a beat. he will go, you know, two for four, two for five, uh, you know, and then play a very solid defensive out- outfield, no matter what spot you put him in. Uh, you know, our lineup is hit, as I said earlier, our lineup's hitting now. That wasn't always the case. We would have decent pitching, but we'd struggle hitting. And the home run balls reappeared, but what's happening is what we've called recently death by a thousand cuts. OK, single here, walk, double, single, you know, on base, move, runners are moving along. OK, the, you know, the keep the line moving kind of thing. And, and that's been the difference, I think, in the last two to three weeks. It, you know, nobody's waiting around for the long ball. Everybody's just out there. We're going to get in the base. We're going to see what happens. Now, recently, the long ball has reappeared, but, you know, they're not waiting on it. And they're just, you know, every, the line's moving. And, the, you know, the traffic on the base pass is, is consistent now. So it's a very dangerous offense right now to come up against because they'll find a million ways to beat you, uh, you know, in terms of uh, speed, uh, something you never thought you'd see a Red Sox team have, uh, but they've got it. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little dangerous club right now.
1: Uh, either you or George or Gaetti do you guys know if Masa has faced Senga uh, and, and what his numbers are in Japan at all?
2: I don't know, but that's a great question. That would be fun mm-hmm. to see. You gotta believe he yeah. did, though.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm gonna sit there and and look that up. Uh, Gaetti uh, we're we're gonna switch back to the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know a bullpen's a little touchy with you because of you know the WBC and uh, <sighs> took down your closer. Yeah, but uh, let, let, let's let's talk your bullpen and. Uh, Uh, how they reconstructed it to what it is today.
2: So, I mean, talk about a a freak accident in the WBC, celebrating a a win and uh, Diaz goes down with the injury. And, you know, he's somebody that last year, I mean, he just had an unbelievable year, just completely lights out. And it was like we had turned a corner because when he initially came over, after having been this elite closer in Seattle, I think Met fans were disappointed his his first season as a Met. Uh, you know, he bl- he blew a couple of high profile games, and for all the ones you lock down, you remember the ones that get blown, right? And so, but last year, I mean, I think he had an ERA like in the ones or something, just elite. And then suddenly he's lost for the season after signing that huge contract right i think the the biggest contract for a relief pitcher ever Mm. in baseball history and you know you knew that was going to hurt but the mets have found a great closer who's a known quantity in david robertson he's 38 years old he's been around um you know he was with the yankees for a long time uh he's closed for some other teams the cubs the phillies uh, the White Sox, he's a vet. You know, he's in the league 15 years. He's had some arm surgeries that he's come back from. And like Verlander, here's a guy who comes back from elbow surgery in his late 30s. And, he, you know, he's, he's reclaimed his form. He's got a 1.96 ERA this year, and he's still striking out well over a batter per inning. And he gives you that confidence in the back end of the bullpen that I think everybody feared was going to go out the window with the Diaz injury. It's so hard to replace an Edwin Diaz on the heels of the season he had last year. And after signing this mega contract, right? I think people just kind of, you're like, well, there goes the season. And then Robertson has just stepped up and been great. And then out is also, you know, a late thirties known quantity, another veteran pitcher. It's a very old pitching staff, but you know, there's something to be said for these guys that have, that have been around. Um, you know, I think mid, mid tier bullpen guys are um, you know, I think for most teams, they're going to be pretty fungible. They're going to be up and down. They're going to be hitting this, but I think both of these teams, the, the Mets and the Red Sox, both have very, very solid back ends. Veteran relievers who are used in high leverations. I mean, Kenley Jansen, right? He's one of the most accomplished closers in big league history at this point. Um, the, the, back end, the back end of both of these teams is, is going to be very solid. Those mid innings, we'll see.
1: I'm, I, I can't find anywhere about Yoshida and Senga facing each other in Japan. I'm sitting there and trying to Google everything I can find and I cannot sit there and find that they have ever faced each other. Hmm. Interesting. So, I, unless Google's let me down for the first time <laughs> ever. But... That might, that might be something to see. Like I, I haven't ever you know heard anybody, uh, talk about those two, you know, going head to head this season. So it's going to be something, uh, you know, really, really great to see, uh, if, if that is the case, uh, George, you want to sit there and I know you touched on our bullpen a little bit earlier. Uh, you, you know, I just want to polish up, uh, sure. a little bit.
0: Um, the bullpen was rebuilt. I mean, last year, it was gasoline on a fire, I just there was nothing there. uh Bloom made it his priority, you know, as you said, he went out and he signed Camley Jansen as a closer. That's a real closer he got he got you know you know Martin in to be the setup guy now this guy doesn't walk very many people, okay That's what you want for a setup guy, and you know he's done a couple of closing roles for us um you know that right now we've got six lefties in the bullpen. <laughs> which seems like a lot, but, you know, right now, some of the short guys, it's been a mix-and-match scenario for us, Uh, a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, The big names uh, out of the bullpen lately have been, you know, Pivetta, Winkowski, who said Bernardino, uh, Jakes, who's going to be the starter tonight, Uh, good young kid, you know, he's got got some decent stuff that plays well, um, you know, we've got Brandon Walter and Murphy. What's, what they did was they've, they they loaded up Worcester with the AAA club with a lot of decent depth, okay? And they've had to play on that a lot. So there's been, you know, the, the, the turnstile back and forth on a lot of the one and two winning guys has come out of Worcester. Um, and it's worked sometimes and other times it hasn't. But, you know, for right now, uh, I love the back end of our bullpen. Uh, we're due to get somebody back, John Triver, who was terrific for us last year. Uh, you know th- that's coming back. Um, but I, I, I like what they've been able to do. They've been able to uh, mix it up a little bit. And as I said, when you're short two starters, um, we're doing it. Don't know how, but we're doing it. So,
2: I'm sure Pavetta is a big part of that.
0: He is. Um, like I said before. He griped a lot when he's – I'm a starting pitcher when he went down. But, you know, he's been a pro. He's gone down there and just hey, you throw me out there, I'm going to do my thing. You know, he's obviously, you know, trying to win his way back into the rotation. But, uh, you know, he, I, I give him I give him credit for, you know, swallowing his pride and just saying hey, I'm going to go out – this is my ball club. i got to go out and perform for them. So,
1: So, Gaiety, uh do you have any top prospects that the Mets have that, you know – the fans could see at some point this year?
2: I think um, we might see Mark Vientos again. He's somebody that's been, you know, he's come up. um, You have to see what the right situation is to bring him back up. Because the thing about prospects is I want them to be able to play every day. I think there's nothing more frustrating than you bring up a young guy that people are excited about. And, they just don't get a chance to get the reps and get involved and play a lot. So whether it's like an injury or a trade, there's gotta be some way to make a spot for bringing up a prospect to be viable. I think Vientos is going to be great. Um, Brett Beatty, who is, you know, playing a lot of third base now for them. I actually was able to see last season at double a and, you know, it was neat. He got promoted, I think maybe like a week or two, after I I got to see him play and you know it's you want to see these guys be successful and I know that a lot of times it just takes it takes the right opportunity to get them the reps and the consistency and get them ingrained because nobody's going to get into a groove playing you know starting twice a week right out of the gate when they're young and I think you know that's something that the Yankees have botched a little bit with some of the younger infielders that they've brought Mm -hmm. up at one point they had how many shortstops on the roster, right? Natural shortstops, Peraza and uh, Cabrera and Volpe and all these, you know, Torres and whoever else. And it's like, they can't all play. And if they can't all play, they can't all be successful. So that's something that I've always tried to be sensitive to, but you know, I'm glad like Alvarez is getting regular reps. I'm glad Beatty is playing a lot. I would like to see, maybe, you know, move somebody and make it possible for Vientos to come up and be and be a piece of the offense on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, uh, earlier in the season, Tristan Cr- Cassis was having a huge problem at the plate. You know, he wasn't hitting the ball. He was pay- being patient. He was getting those 13, 14 pitch at bats. But people were uh, on Red Sox Twitter, and there's a reason why they're not in uh, management. Uh, they're not in the clubhouse. We're telling to send him back down, but they don't understand. Uh, you know, George uh, has helped me talk to a few DC and, and myself. You know, when we're talking and interviewing these uh, minor league players, there's something that like you're up in the majors and all of a sudden you get sent back down. That messes with your head. Like, then all of a sudden you're like, wait, what did I do wrong? You know, I'm trying to figure things out. And, and now I got to go down, you know, to triple A to figure it out. And sometimes you may never get that player back because of that situation. I'm so glad that they let him stay up there, find out, and work his way through. Because once the middle of May came, all of a sudden get started getting, figuring it out. He's doing a lot better. Uh, I think in the last three games he had uh, – he had the no no last three games the last uh, three at bats he had a home run because he pinch oh. hit uh, against the Cubs and, and hit a home run like yeah. he's he he figured out and he, he's able to hit where he wants to now and you know that's something you don't get by sending them down to triple A that's something you don't get to playing two days a week like you said you know you got to get those every day and you got to figure it out on yourself. Last year, Jaron Duran couldn't figure it out. You know, this year he figured it out. And what makes a great player, I've been saying this for a while now, is when you hit a slump, you figure it out to get back on the hot uh, streak again. You know, that's what makes him a major league player.
2: It's a game of adjustments. And (laughs) even if you stick in the big leagues and you don't get demoted, if you're only getting four at-bats in a week, you're not going to make those adjustments. I think just about every young player will struggle, will go through that first really rough patch. Mm -hmm. And it might be mechanics. It might be timing. It might be any number of things. But the only way it's going to work itself out is if, you know, you give yourself the opportunity to work it out. The problem is that depending on, like, the team and the construction of the team and you know how everything is going, how much leeway do they want to give you to work out your issues? And that's why I just think it's, it's, there's so much more than the numbers, right? It's the psychology of like, how does it make you feel if you get demoted on the other hand, isn't there a way to convey that message where you're saying to the player, look, we want to give you the reps and the opportunity to work it out. And that's going to happen in Scranton because, you can just, you know, lead off every day, get, you know, five at bats a game and then mm-hmm. be, be back here in, in a couple weeks, you know, like there's a way to do it. And I think that's why just like the, the, the field staff and the front office have to be on the same page about how they approach players and development and handling these young players. Cause the last thing you want is for, a hyper talented prospect that you've sunk a lot of money into and that you think has a future with the team to mishandle them in a way that's to their detriment and to your own.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. That, that For a Red Sox standpoint, that'd be like Marcella Meyer coming up playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. He's hitting 128. Uh, and we're like, oh, we're going to send you back down. Wait, what? You're not yeah. going to work with them? That's what I like about the, you know, the Red Sox have those veterans. They had Justin Turner that was able to help uh, Tristan Cassis uh, defensively and, and get the, you know, get his mind back into the game uh, where if you don't have that veteran leadership, you may, you you might sit there and ruin a prospect that way. So I I personally think that could be what Bobby Dahlbeck and A right now, you know, it, He's his mind's where he's not good enough to be, play in Fenway Park because the fans, uh, you know, pretty much booted him because of of uh, them bringing him up, bringing him down, bringing him up, bringing him down. A change of scenery might be needed for Bobby Dahlbeck. Absolutely. So, well, Gaetti or not Gaetti, this is the toughest question that we're going to ask you all day today. What do you think the series uh, is going to turn out?
2: I think the Mets are going to take the first two.
1: Oh, okay.
2: But we'll see. George. I, George has me intimidated with his bullpen game.
0: Good, good. Now if they can just come through, we'll be all set. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think the Sox can take two out of three. It's not going to be easy. Um Unlike uh, unlike the Cubs game, the Cubs series, I'm not going to go pick the the games I think that they can win, but I think they can definitely uh, take two out of three. Um, I think that they they may prey upon uh, you know the fact that Scherzer is getting older, you know, and that this may not be one of his better games. And if they continue to, you know dink and dunk and, you know, get timely hitting and, you know, put one in the seats every now and then. I think, you know, that that'll be the key to, to their victories in New York. Uh, the only downside is that they're coming off, you know, they just shot out to the West Coast for three games and then they're, they're heading back east again. So whether or not that plays into it is, an, is another story. So, but I, I think the Sox can can't take two out of three. Uh,
1: George, I'm going to go with you in this one. I, I was I was I was bouncing back and forth between a one one two and a two one but I really really think uh I, th- I think I think we can we can continue the bats uh these are part of the series that we actually need to keep going into the trade deadline mm-hmm. for us to hopefully be buyers uh so I can't sit there and I can't wait. And uh, DC just texted me. Well, we won't be seeing Trevor Story in A. He will be starting in Double A on Friday. So I'm I'm oh, a little disappointed. Man. I'm a little disappointed. I, I, I was hoping to get an interview with Trevor Story, but uh, oh. but he's going to he's going to he's the Double ki- A. George, he's
0: killing topic. me. Did He's you, killing me. I'm gonna... going to tomorrow night's game. That would <laughs> been great if I got to see him in a rehab. I mean, I saw, I've seen Poppy in a rehab there. I've seen, uh, I've seen Sale a couple of times. It's like, oh man, what, Friday now.
1: Well, George, it looks like you're going to a Friday or Saturday game, buddy.
0: Could be. Gotta, it's it's the, the weather's been the big thing up here lately. We've had way too much rain.
1: <laughs> Do you guys know how Hauk
2: is doing? Uh,
0: they've had the, oh. he had the surgery. Uh he's due to start a rehab probably in th- two to three weeks, isn't it, Rich, sometime in August. Yeah. They're being, they're being very, very cautious with him. Yeah. I was watching uh, as the as game.
2: I was watching the game when he got hurt, and you know, you hate to see that happen. He was throwing he was having the, the start of the year and uh just one of those unfortunate things. And you know, I think and fans of every team are hoping that he's makes it all the way back
0: he's he's a tough guy to begin with you know he's just you know he, head down and go and uh, you know uh we've had this is the second time this year that you know one of our guys has gotten hit in the head um you know we had how you know how a couple of weeks ago and you know pre uh you know spring training justin turner took one in the mouth so you know it's it's a little too close for comfort for all of us. Uh, you know, if you've seen enough baseball, you've seen some really bad things happen, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing the right thing. You know, they, a lot of it's going to be mental. Although with how I, I tend to think that he's got the mental makeup that he's just going to go. Yeah. I, I want to get back in the game. So, you know, but they're, they're, I'm sure they're going to be careful with that.
1: Yeah. So not Gaetti. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Please tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, uh, how they can converse with you, with the Mets uh, and Yankees. So uh, the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NotGuyEti. I also have a Redbubble store where I have all kinds of merch with my weird NotGuyEti sayings. Some of it is anti-analytics and poking fun at, at the nerds that run the front offices these days um it's all very fun and tongue-in-cheek and you know I, I tweet about a lot of underrated uh ball players from all teams um a lot about the, the great yankee and mets players of the past and you know I'm, I'm always on twitter feel free to reach out anytime love to talk ball
1: hey thanks for coming on uh and we're gonna see you for our uh our trade deadline show uh, coming up in two sundays am i right
2: Yep. I'm going to try to be there. I think it will be, uh, you know, could be a really dramatic day. There's a lot of, a lot of teams that are going to be buyers, a lot of teams that are going to be sellers.
1: Yeah. So George, can we get a preview of your, uh, of your next article? Any ideas you're throwing out there?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm, we're actually working on one today, uh, talking about why this team is, should be something that, that everybody loves and, uh, You know, something about the grit and uh, ability to bounce back. So uh, it's about halfway written. It's probably come out tomorrow. Uh, And um, a certain player that we both idolize for his toughness will be the main character in the story.
1: Ah man. Throw some dirt on it.
0: You got it. That's one and the same.
1: So, okay, guys. For myself... For George, for not Gaetti. Thanks for tuning in and checking out the preview for the Mets Red Sox series. And check us out next time on The Pesky Podcast.